this is is less about you learning the steps of what to do next. I would say maybe 30% of it is you learning what it's going to entail for you to start your own practice. Learning about how much revenue you're going to need to make in order to pull it back to three days a week or whatever you want it to look like. I I would say that's about 30% of the job. Mm -hmm. The rest of it is all this internal work that we've been talking about. This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 345. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. How are you doing now that it is summer? uh, We are still surviving 2020. We are getting through one day at a time, one hour at a time, as I like to say. And I have taken a break from social media. A spiritual mentor of mine, Laren Alta, she's been a guest here on the show. She had posted that she was taking a break from social media for Mercury Retrograde. She was also teaching a program during that time, and I signed up for it because I was like, I need to get my spiritual self back. I need to tap into my soul and my spirit because I, probably like you, are someone who likes to spend a lot of time all up in my head, and I was finding myself spending a lot of time on Facebook and Instagram, just scrolling mindlessly, using it as a coping mechanism, using it as a tool to numb out, as I like to talk to you about all the time, right? Chapter three in How to Stop Feeling Like Shit is titled, Those Coping Mechanisms Aren't Working for You. I think that's what I titled it, something like that. But I tell you that not to beat myself up, but to tell you as a more of a confession in solidarity, that we all still fall back on these ways of coping that don't serve us, that are that are sometimes unhealthy. And it's never about completely cutting them out of your life forever and ever, amen. I mean, if you end up doing that, by all means, I give you a high five. I guess we can't do that anymore. I give you a fist bump in the air. <laughs> But it's about noticing when you are doing it and course correcting. So for me, that looked like noticing, having compassion for myself. Of course I am numbing right now. Of course I am trying to find a way to escape how challenging it is right now. And if I'm going to find a way to try to escape, that's really not what I want to do. So I deleted the apps from my phone. I have never been happier. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that dramatic, but it is really helpful. I don't know if I want to go back right away, and um, I've been loving it. So if you have found yourself spending too much time on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever thing it is, it doesn't necessarily have to be social media, I hope that you can somehow take a break or find whatever means that you need of support to be able to have compassion for yourself, to be able to find other ways to soothe yourself. All right? All right. And today we have a coaching episode for you. 
Katie was on the show, and today we are talking about work. And I would love for you to listen all the way through because her update was really interesting. I will probably mention it again in the in the update at the very end, but as we say in coaching all the time, a lot of the magic happens, a lot of the awareness and growth and sometimes healing happens in between sessions, after you get off the phone with your coach, after you walk away from the session with your therapist. Because that's really where time settles in, where you have a chance to really sink in and think about and process the conversation that you had. And that's what happened with Katie. So without further ado, here is the coaching session with Katie. Katie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I am pumped to talk to you because we are going to talk about work. And it's really interesting when I get people's information and sort of their topic about what they want to cover. I try my best to kind of read between the lines and see what's going on based on other things that you talk about. But I didn't get a ton of information sort of on purpose. And before we started recording, you and I were chatting about it and I cut you off and I'm like, wait, 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 don't tell me anymore because I want you to tell us what your goals and dreams and all that good stuff is. But before we get into that, will you sort of introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do for a living and what part of the world you are talking to us from? Okay. So I, one of the things I always love to tell people about myself, which I don't even really know why, is that I'm a proud introvert. So Okay. <laughs> I love it. Well, no, I, I do love that because I think extroverts like get all the credit and like we need introverts. Yeah. Like I recently, you know, re-listened to Susan Cain's TED Talk and like int- introverts yes. need to put themselves out into the world. So I'm a very proud introvert and my greatest passions in life are being of service and inspiring change. So I'm a physical therapist and I'm blessed that I get to really fulfill both of those passions pretty much on a daily basis. So I've been a PT for about two and a half years and I work primarily with the older adult population. And I practice in Henderson, Nevada, which is where I live and actually where I was born and raised. I live with my amazing boyfriend and our sweet mini Australian Shepherd Blue. And in addition to loving my job, I'm also very creative and I love having all these side projects. So I love to write and to craft and to sew and to just kind of get a creative outlet and have some things that inspire me even outside of work. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I don't know you all that well. I know you're in the writing experience with, you know, a group of women who are also passionate about writing. And I do know that you, because you just told us that you love your job, but you're also thinking about a career change. And you also, I can tell that you love personal development, partly because you introduced yourself by telling us your values. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And you're a listener of the podcast. And so, Tell us, like, when you found out that I was accepting applications for people to come on, like, what was the thing that pushed you to fill out an application and want to get coached on here? What do you want to change? So I am someone, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I love setting goals and I love having goals for myself. And I was starting to realize that when I look back on all the goals that I've achieved in my life, they've all had very set timelines. So I've been a perfectionist and an overachiever for my whole life. And so I wanted to be valedictorian. So that came when I was a senior in high school. And then 
I wanted to go to PT school. So that came after undergrad and I wanted a certain job. So that came after internships. And so I've always had these paths that I, sure, I've worked really hard to get there, but they're kind of set paths. And now that I'm looking at my goals for my career, one of them is even though I love my job, I want to work three times a week as a PT to be able to have more time for my creative projects and to be able to travel more and things like that. So I'm almost three years into my career and I'm thinking, okay, when do I make that move? And how do I know when to make that move? So I'm always inspired by those stories of people who are like, I quit my job and then I started my own business and now I'm a millionaire. You know, those great, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. don't we all wish we could be them stories? but I'm also a planner. (laughs) And so I'm like, am I being inspired by those stories and throwing caution to the wind or is the water warm and I can jump in and I'm too afraid? Okay. Say that last part again, because I feel like that's really important. And also I just want to acknowledge how self-aware you are in that, but it sounds like that's kind of where you're stuck. Yes. So, okay. So can you repeat that? Yeah. So it's the idea is, am I inspired by these stories of people who just go all in and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm personally throwing caution to the wind or is the water warm and the time is right. And I'm too afraid to jump in. Too afraid to jump in. If you had to guess, which one do you think it is? Or do you think it's a little bit of both? I think it might be a little bit of both. And part of that is I was recently reading the gifts of imperfection, one of Brene Brown's books. And she Mm -hmm. talks about when she's ready to make, or when she's going to make a big decision, if she wants to make it quickly, that means she hasn't really sat down and done the planning. So I think there's a part of me that's like, I just want to know, and I want to do it. And then there's another part of me that's like, I do love my job and I'm comfortable and why change? So there's, I think I'm fighting with those sides. I have so many questions. Okay. Well, I'm curious, like the first question that came to my mind was what is different about this goal? Because you you kind of listed all these different goals. Like I wanted to be valid Victorian and I did that. I wanted to go to grad school, did the career. Like you kind of ticked off all those things. Is this decision different from that? I don't know, I guess. I guess I haven't thought about that that way. I think it's because when I think of my work life, even starting out at 16, I've, <laughs> I like to do stuff. So I like to work and I like to have a job over the summer or whatever, but it always mm-hmm. had a definitive ending, right? So summertime job, oh, go back to school, you know, pick it back up in the summer again. Or I finished grad school, had a little job for a time and now I'm going to my career. So that ended. So I think that one of the big differences in this is that it's a goal where I, I'm not going to get to have that, oh, this job ended and now you can naturally move on. I need to kind of make that decision for myself. Okay. So it also sounds like if and when you make this decision, you're, the actual task is a long game. Yeah. Rather than grad school is X amount of years. Yes. Okay. Interesting. What would the planning entail for this particular decision? So I've started doing a tiny bit of it and then I think I get scared and I back off. So it would entail knowing how much money I'm comfortable making, 
right? Because in right. in my in my fantasy world, I work less and make more, which obviously doesn't okay. happen. Um, hold up, hold up, right there, because that is actually like, how do you know that that's true or not true? I should say. Oh, okay. Um, I guess I don't, and and maybe that's where there's parts of me that's like afraid to dream a little bit bigger, even you know, mm-hmm. um, because yeah, I guess I have no proof that that's right true. And so you're making, I just want to point out, you're making an assumption that if you work less, you are going to make less money, which seems logical, but you have no proof that that actually, like never in the history of the world has Katie made that decision that you're thinking about and gathered enough evidence for that assumption to be true. Correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what else have you done for planning or thought about planning that makes you scared? So I've also reached out to one of my um, really good mentors, which I was, that was like my gold star. I was so proud of myself because I'm not someone that likes to, for as ambitious as I am, I tend to hold my goals internally because as soon as they come out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, now I have to do it. Like I just put pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reached out to one of my mentors and she, uh, got me in contact with some people of in different areas of my field, basically. So I've reached out to them and kind of been like, Hey, what did you do to get to where you are? And do you have any suggestions for me as in what kind of continuing education classes could I take right now? Obviously the world's a little crazy, so I can't go shadow different fields. Um, And also ideas like home health is something that I'm kind of interested in. And so I reached out Mm -hmm. to a guy who does primarily home health and just kind of got an idea of what his schedule looks like. So could my schedule look like that? And those kinds of things, just mostly reaching out to people and, and, uh, seeing what they do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, fantastic. That's amazing that you've even taken that step. Were you inspired by the information that you gathered from that? I was, and I was also scared by it. (laughs) Why is that? So when I talked to the gentleman who does home health, for example, he said, talked about how much he loved his job and the flexibility of it and all those things that I'm like, yes, 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 that's sign me up. And then he's like, but keep in mind, there's a lot of home health agencies that are not necessarily on the right side of the moral spectrum. So you have to be careful of that or you have to really know people in the field to get your foot in the door. And you might have to take a per diem job on top of your full-time job to have that experience. So it's all these things that I go, oh, shoot, maybe I'm, maybe I'm behind or maybe I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, it sounds like your inner critic really likes to attach onto those things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it also sounds like he kind of gave you a pros and cons list. Mm-hmm. And you might not have seen all of those before, and now you do. And the pros excite you, and the cons, your inner critic is like, we need to talk about these things all the time, 24-7. Yes, <laughs> yes. Okay. So I just want you to think about that and be aware. So, so two things for you to sort of jot down as homework for you to put on your list just to keep on your radar. One, where you're making assumptions about things that you don't know are really true or not. Like the one I just pointed out, like work less, make less. Like Mm -hmm. that's an assumption that you're making that you don't know if it's true. And then also 
that because I, for those of you listening, like no matter what new career or advancement in your career you're looking at, there are going to be disadvantages. Like there's going to be a downside. Watch where your inner critic is pointing at that with a spotlight and saying like, that's the reason you shouldn't move forward. It's, it's fear. And I'm not saying that those things don't exist, Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be a reason for you to stop completely. Okay. Okay. So that's like part of your homework. Okay. I'm curious about how you are afraid of this, like, cause you've mentioned it a few times since we've been talking. So tell me, I want to hear all about your fears. Just like, let it all out, like projectile <laughs> style. Like, what are you afraid might happen? Um, I think I'm afraid of, I mean, I know, let me take that back. I know I'm afraid of being seen as imperfect and being okay. seen as not knowledgeable in my field. So for example, taking home health, um, I'm on my own, right? I go into somebody's house, I'm by myself treating that person. And I just, my worst fear inner critic imagines this patient says to me, oh, I have this problem with my shoulder and I don't know what what to do for them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is. And then in my mind, I create the story that they think, I'm a fraud. I don't know what's happening in the world. I, all those things. I, I'm not really a good PT. No one's ever going to refer to me. I go down this whole rabbit hole of just lies and made up stories. And I, I know that they are, but that doesn't make them less scary. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself, do you catch yourself in those moments or is that something retrospectively that you realize is happening? I can catch myself in those moments, but it's almost like, this is, might sound strange. It's almost like a comfort to allow myself mm-hmm. to think about it because then probably because then I don't have to actually take action. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't sound strange at all. It's completely normal human behavior. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, but bear with me. And I've, I've talked about this before with somebody else I coached and I cannot honestly like off the top of my head, remember who it was, but, and I also talked about it and how to stop feeling like shit and it's, it's unwanted identities. Do you remember that at all? Yes. Okay. So my quiz, you, Oh no. <laughs> do you remember? And if you don't know, it's totally fine. I, I, I obviously don't mind talking about it, but it has to do with shame. Do you remember what the connection is to shame and your unwanted identities? Um, okay. I'm just going to take a guess that shame is. Okay. This might be totally in a different direction, but the idea that shame is controlling my life without me realizing it. Is it something yeah, like that? Part of okay. It. Yes. So like, and actually that's the foundation. So, and I love that you said that because for people who might have forgotten or are new to this work, what Brene Brown says about unwanted identities and just shame in general is that whether you know it or not, shame is running your life. Because when people think about shame work, they often think about like when we are shamed, whether someone means to do it or not, like that's when shame is happening. But especially with the women in my community, the women that listen to this podcast, women that, that, you know, read my books, they are a lot like you have described confessed perfectionists, overachievers. And that points to shame because when we are in our perfectionism, when we are like hyperachieving, then we are doing it to try to avoid shame. 
Mm-hmm. That's how shame is running our lives. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So when you just mentioned that your fears, and I love that it was the first fears that came out of your mouth too. I, I mean, I love it, but I don't love it. <laughs> yeah. but it just, it, I love it because it points to this because you, you um, are afraid of being seen as not perfect. You're afraid of being seen as not knowledgeable. You said you are worried that someone's going to bring you their ailment and you're not going to immediately know what the problem is. And what, what I have people do when we do this work privately or in the mentorship, the group that I teach this in, and keep in mind, everybody, this comes from, I'm pretty sure she talks about it in Daring Greatly, Brene Brown's book, and all these links will be in the show notes. But I take people through this exercise, and of all the modules that, that I teach, like this one is probably my favorite because this can change your life when you become aware of it. And I'm glad that you're on the up and up and you understand when this is happening. So I would tell people to break down different areas of your, of your life because it's too big to do it with your entire life. Mm-hmm. But we all have unwanted identities, ways that we would never want to be perceived by other people. You have these identities in your romantic relationships. You have them at work. You have them with your friendships. You have them with your parents. You have them in every all the different hats that you wear, all your different identities, you have them. You also have ideal identities, the way that you want to be mm-hmm. seen by others. And this is where perfectionism is born. Be- because we are human and because we cannot control how other people see us or judge us or sometimes criticize us <laughs> out loud or you know, just to themselves by looks that they give us, because we can't control that, we inevitably will fall into these unwanted identities. Someone in your career is going to think that you are not perfect. Someone is going to think that you don't know as much as they originally thought that you did. Someone is going to be disappointed that you couldn't name their ailment right when they told you about it. You have no control over that. So what happens when we fall into one of these unwanted identities or think we're in one, because sometimes we don't even know, then instead of practicing what we call shame resilience by having self-compassion, by you know talking about it to other people, we try harder to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this cycle that we can't, we can't win. Yes. So that's what's happening. Yeah. And you're totally normal. And I love the, also that you said that you do find some comfort in it. All that is, is your brain. It's a pattern that's been created that you're so used to. I call that like getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Somehow we end up there. So the solution, I'm actually going to ask you, what do you think would be a good solution in terms of just sort of walking yourself through these fears? Um, so in general or for this like specific, like taking that specific example, let's use this specific example. Okay. I could rely on some, instead of imagining it, the worst case scenario, I could take myself a step back and think of a time where I was in a moment where I didn't necessarily know what to do right off the top of my head and how I worked my way through it. So it's funny because I always tell myself this, even though I don't necessarily lead with it in my brain, is that usually the patients that like quote unquote scare me are the ones that I feel like I have the best success with. So they're the ones that I didn't know what I was doing and I just stuck with them and we tried things and we figured out what worked and all those things. So I think 
using those examples would be something that's probably of benefit to me if I, especially because I love thinking and brainstorming. It's like, let's just pull it back to a, oh yeah, there was a time you experienced this and you worked through it. Okay. I love that. So you're actually relying on evidence that you can survive (laughs) (laughs) worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I would love for you to do that as well as how is your self-compassion in moments like that? Oh, it it varies. (laughs) It varies. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say I have, I would say I'm better at giving myself self-compassion if an issue actually occurs. If that, So let's say someone did call me out and I felt embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I am actually better at being like, okay, like you were embarrassed and that happened. And I don't know if it's because it happened. And so I know I need to move on from it. And if it, I'm just making it up in my head, I need to try to problem solve it. But I'm, I'm better at self-compassion if something actually does occur. So I'll give myself credit for that. But when I'm just getting in like the rabbit hole of my inner critic and all the things that could go wrong, I'm not good at being like, hey, it's okay. You know, that, mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. I, I want to point something out that I think might be happening here too, but I very well could be wrong. So you you mentioned the word embarrassed a couple of times. And now that I've done shame work for, what is it, six years now or so, I my feeling is, is that we call things, in, and I never want to put feelings in people's mouths, like your experience is your experience. And I'm going to offer a little bit of a different perspective. I think that many times when we think things are embarrassing, it's actually shame happening in our bodies. and culturally, like we just don't say that word as often, you know, like if you're telling, say like we go out for coffee and you're like, oh my gosh, I had this one particular patient and she was just being really hard on me. And we just are butting heads. And she just, she criticized me in, in front of, you know, two of her family members. And it was just in, in, I just was so ashamed. Like that would kind of surprise me if it came out of your mouth, like rather than you saying I was so embarrassed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just not as part of our vernacular as the word embarrassed. And so I'm not saying I think you should use the word ashamed to replace the word (laughs) embarrassed, even if it's just privately for you, that you understand that that's probably what's happening in your body more so than embarrassment. Because embarrassment is defined more so as something that we we readily admit and understand consciously know that this is something that happens to everyone. I know very quickly I'm going to laugh about this. So it's reserved more for things like you had toilet paper on your shoe and you walked out of the bathroom (laughs) or, you know, even like you you accidentally burp louder than you thought it was going to be after you drank like a seven up. Do you know what I mean? Like that's embarrassing, right? Because, but you know that it happens to everyone. And so shame is more of a feeling like where you feel very alone and do you know, can you, can you understand the difference like in your own mind? Yes. So, and what I think part of that might be for me is that I struggle to feel my feelings. So I am someone that if I'm sad, I'll switch to angry because it's, that's control. I can control that. So I Uh think where shame comes in is like, Oh, that's deep. That means I was, I was really, I was hurt. You know, I, that Mm -hmm. really happened Mm -hmm. and that impacted me and it created this experience and that, that makes me vulnerable. And so I, I think that I try to throw the word embarrassed at it, even if it's subconscious, I try to throw the word embarrassed at it 
to make it sound like it's fleeting, no big deal. To minimize it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad. I'm really glad that you know that about yourself. I also don't want to be dismissive of anger. Um, have you ever taken the Enneagram? Yes. What are I'm you? A three. What number are you? You're a three. Okay. So threes are similar to eights, and I'm an eight. And I do know, like, I, I, I know, like, really the, hey, and if anybody listening knows an expert on Enneagram that would like to come on the podcast, please message us because I, <laughs> I, I want an expert to come on. But what I do know is that we, we all handle our feelings differently. And some, some Enneagram numbers can pull anger really quickly. And, and it sometimes it doesn't matter about the Enneagram. I think that Anger is what they call in psychology a secondary emotion. And typically there's something underneath it, which is a lot of times hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to think that you're wrong for feeling angry, but I, I would encourage you to consciously know that what's really happening is that you're hurt or ashamed. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm also curious for you to tell me a little bit more about how you don't feel your feelings. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I, part of this, I think is through trying to, I, like you said, I'm, I'm totally love self-help and I also, I've tried to put in the work and not just listen to the podcast or read the books. And I try to do the work myself. And I'm also going through this writing journey and just realizing that when, for example, I'm writing about something and I'm, I'm frustrated and I know I'm getting frustrated. And instead of just stopping and allowing myself to just feel frustrated and feel maybe disappointed even, or that I'm having a moment of difficulty or struggle, I just try to push through it. I'm like, okay, if I can fix it before I let myself feel frustrated, I won't be frustrated anymore. And then of course it it just makes everything harder. It makes everything worse because pushing through it is not really what I need. I just need to take a step back and allow myself to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Okay. What do you think about, because I know you love to write, what do you think about writing a letter to each of the feelings that you don't want to feel? Mm, that's a good idea. What comes up when I give you that assignment? I think I have a lot of letters to write. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it could just be one letter and a, like a couple of paragraphs to each one. Like yeah. really you do it however you want. And my invitation for you is to not stop if, if one particular feeling is more free flowing than the other. Okay. Yeah. I, I like that because I think that would be cathartic for me to because even when you ask, can you talk a little bit more about not feeling your feelings? I know I can talk a little bit about it, but I think it's just still at the surface. I've recognized it, but I haven't dug deep enough to really know like, why is that? What's going on there? That's causing me to feel like I can't feel. Yeah. And I I love that you just even asked that question. Like, why is that? Like, if you could get curious about your own stuff, all of you listening, like if you can get curious about why it is that you want to push through something instead of feeling frustrated. Like, what is it about, you're basically coaching yourself, you know, say asking questions like, what is it about frustration that is so uncomfortable for me? What am, what am I afraid might happen if I actually feel frustrated? 
Is there some particular action I'm afraid I might take or not take? Yeah. Those types of questions. Because where I want this to circle back to the topic is about your fear around this step that you want to take in your business. And at the end of the day, honestly, Katie, what this might boil down to, it's similar to a few women that I've had on the show. I'm thinking of Rachel in particular. I think I've had two Rachels on, but the, the Rachel who was, it was from, I think the fall of last year where she was, she works in theater and production and was taking steps in her career. And for her, it was an obvious upper limit Mm -hmm. issue. And I think that that's what's at play here for you. What do you think? I think so because there is a part of me that knows when I take this step forward, right? Which would include leaving my current job whenever, if ever that happens, right? Taking that step forward, people are going to notice. And so once people notice, it's like, what is that going to mean? Like, can I handle people wanting to follow me and ask for me advice? Or can I handle if it doesn't work out and I have to go a different direction? So kind of I'm limiting myself because of the fear of maybe, maybe being successful is a big fear in there too. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if that was going to come out to play during this conversation. I had a feeling, but like, (laughs) I'm like, don't leave the witness, Andrea. (laughs) And I could sort of tell when we first started having the conversation, I can, I can hear in your voice that you have this sort of, um, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but like this sort of surface level confidence. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you, you've put, you've mastered putting off the, the energy and the air and the persona of being confident. And I'm not saying that you're not. No, I think you I'm are with you. Yes. to an extent. Mm-hmm. And then you get to a certain point, like you have your own edge where you get there. And then that's an up, that's what an upper limit is really. I'm just describing it differently. Yeah. I also think you're pointing to something really interesting that I want to point out selfishly because this is what a large part of my third book is about (laughs) and that it's about women stepping into the next level of their life, the next level of their career, the next level of their relationship. We see that as extremely vulnerable because we have grown up in a culture that tells us to not be seen in that way. Like, no, the spotlight is not for you. Don't be too big for your britches. Don't be conceited. Don't act like you're so... Does that resonate at all? Yes. Yeah. Because there are consequences. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and you named them. Yeah. Yeah. People are going to be watching me and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the introvert. I'm the proud introvert who likes to just do right. my own thing and be in my own corner. And not that I don't love people, but I, yeah, I, I want to be able to fail quietly if I fail. Interesting. Is anything happening in your body as we talk about this particular thing? I feel like I'm getting hot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and it's just, yeah, something's definitely rising up from this because I've, I've obviously thought a lot about like, what do I want to do next? And what are those steps? But not necessarily the, not necessarily a deeper why not. Hmm. Not necessarily a deeper why not. So if you had to answer that question now, what do you think the answer is? Why not? I mean, I think the global answer is still fear 
Um, and, but I think it's, it's bigger than I realized initially. It's not just fear Mm of, of failure. It's fear of a being just being seen. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fear of being seen. I get it. I get it. And I, like woman to woman, it infuriates me that we have to fucking deal with this shit. Like it does. Right. right. <laughs> and, and as a coach, I think I'm going to, I'm going to talk like for just for a second on a practical level, you will get to a point like as someone who has personal experience with jumping into a career that I had really no idea what I was doing and did the same steps that you did, you know, talked to some people who had done it before me and was afraid and like took these little steps. There were times where I encountered new big things and I didn't know how to handle it. Cause you mentioned like, will I be able to handle it? Like, will I be able to be in the spotlight, afraid of being noticed. Like that is going to happen. Like you are going to get to the place where you're noticed more, where you might not be able to do something and you have to figure it out on your own or you make a mistake on your taxes or, you know, all these, all these different things. And I promise you that you will be able to deal with it. You're no one ever died from not being able to handle a personal situation. I mean, unless you owe like loan sharks money, which I don't think that that's <laughs> <laughs> you're going down. But like we we make up these stories, our brains go into these these fear pathways where we are so afraid of what might happen. It feels insurmountable physically, mentally, emotionally, so we just shut it down. Okay? But I promise you it's not always going to be smooth sailing and you also will be able to handle it. Like I I, I believe in you. I believe that about you based on the, on your past and what you've accomplished. So like, let's put that aside on a practical level. This is, is less about you learning the steps of what to do next. I would say maybe 30% of it is you learning what it's going to entail for you to start your own practice, learning about how much revenue you're going to need to make in order to pull it back to three days a week or whatever you want it to look like. I, I would say that's about 30% of the job. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is all this internal work that we've been talking about. Do you believe me? Yes, I do. Cause it's okay. That's what's stopping it's okay me. if you don't, totally, a lot of people don't believe no. me. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally what's stopping me from taking a next step. And even when you talked about our, our brain kind of shutting us down and the idea of fight or flight, I'm totally a freeze. Mm-hmm. That is my go-to. Yeah. And so that's fight, flight or freeze. Yeah. I'm stuck in freeze right now, I think. And, and you know what? I want to also remind you that this is like, freezing and being stuck is a normal part of the process. You're not constantly in motion. I also like to remind myself that humans are a lot like the earth like, and we have seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you're in a winter right now. That's totally fine. Like I've spent like an entire year in a winter before and I've had like my colleagues like tap me on the shoulder and be like, okay, girl, like you, <laughs> this has been a nice long break. You've been resting on your laurels because springtime can be really scary. Yeah. What do you think would help you? I know I've given you like several assignments. Can you think of anything else based on what we've just talked about that maybe you know that's important in your personal life that I might not know about that would be helpful for you to take the next step? I think that I need to, cause I, I'm someone who I know I'll do whatever I set out to do. I mm-hmm. 
but I like, like I said, to, to fail quietly, however you want to say that, not to be pessimistic, but I want to, I want to keep my goals to myself. And I think if I get into the practice of being more open about my goals and sharing them, I'll find that people are actually more supportive and that might be helpful for me to realize like, oh, like I'm not crazy for wanting to try this because that's Mm -hmm. probably another level or realizing that even if people don't get it doesn't mean I can't do it. Um, So I think that might be helpful is to start sharing things Mm -hmm. um, and and forcing myself to do that, even though it's a little bit against my default setting. Okay. Yes. I love that. Do you, are you a part of like a PT network or even like chamber of commerce, like entrepreneurs or anything like that? Yeah, I'm part of the APTA. So for the national and Nevada chapters. And then I also recently joined, um, the, it's called ITA, the Independent Therapist Association, which is an online forum. Oh, okay. My invitation for you is to find, because I, I'm always excited when people want to share their goals, but also a little bit hesitant because this is about sharing with the right people. I know that you said like they might not understand it, but at least they'll be supportive. That's that's great. That's a great start. I also want you to intentionally try to find people who both are supportive and understand it. So that's where like a mastermind will come in. So it's people that are interested in the same goals that you do. And maybe it's not physical therapy. It might be like a therapist or a counselor or something that works at a hospital who wants to go out on their own. Like you're you're finding people sort of within either the service industry or the wellness service industry who do something similar that have the same goals. Okay. Try to find them on some kind of online forum. That's one great thing about, you know, living in 2020 is that technology is on our side here and you be the sort of catalyst of starting this group. You know, it can be like all women if you wanted to, it doesn't have to be, but you know, four to six other people where you meet regularly, even if it's just like your own little Facebook group or text, or you meet on Zoom or something to where you can mastermind together to help each other out. How does that sound or feel with your current schedule and everything going on? It sounds totally doable. It sounds a little bit scary, but then I'm like, that's what I need right now. Is like, that's yeah. a good first step, I think. Yeah. I don't even know if we mentioned like that you, I think we did in the very beginning. I'm like, I feel like we've gone on this long walk together, but you, your whole point is that you want to be able to start your own private practice in physical therapy, right? Whether it's home health or. Yeah. Kind of just, just yeah. Be my own, be my own boss, be in control. Exactly. Stay in the same industry, but be your own boss. And, and I can tell you from someone who has done that, like you need to have people who understand what that actually looks like, like leaving a company who provides a steady paycheck like that. It's super exciting and it's really vulnerable and it has its own challenges and mindset necessities that you're going to need specific people in your corner. Yes. You cannot do that in a vacuum. Yeah, I know. I'm like, oh, (laughs) I wish I could, but no, I really, I I need to be able to, to reach out to those people and I, every time I reach out to someone, even the mentor that I talked about earlier, I'm always glad I did. I'm always glad I did. Yeah. And maybe that person can point you in the direction. Maybe they know people who are 
sort of at your level or, and maybe they they'll even want to be in a group with you. Who knows? Yeah. You may, you know, be surprised and have that person say like, yeah, I would love to be in a group with you. Or I would love to mentor you regularly. And what you just never know until you ask, if you don't ask the answers always no. Right. Okay. Yeah. You need the right support was my, my whole point. And as I just want to kind of some quickly summarize, and I'll go back to the assignments that I, that I assigned you about 30% of it is going to be strategy. 70% is all <laughs> in your mind and, and like, you know, having these kind of conversations that we had before. And cause I'm not worried about you in terms of, oh, I'm going to just, you know, figure out these steps that I need to do and actually do them. I would more worry about you as you like staying in your winter season. Yeah. And, and that's so my, I get like, um, <laughs> like when you say the winter season, I think of this squirrel just like storing nuts and it's like, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just storing everything and I feel really productive. Yeah. And then it's yep. like, but I haven't done anything with those. <laughs> so I get all the research, yeah. work on your logo. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, <laughs> I need to get back into the wilderness. I need to go make some things happen. I'll just keep storing things. So yeah. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And I also invite you to do something fun and creative, like make a vision board or do some kind of vision or visualization or draw a picture of what you want your life to look like in 2030. Oh, yeah. I recently found, I sent out an email about this. I don't know if you saw it, but I found the goals that I had written down in May of 2010. Oh, wow. I don't think I can see this. Yeah, I got to find this. Yeah. So I, I, I wrote down, I think I sent the email out and I, I think the subject line was something about like, open this if you're a life coach or want to be one. So that's probably why you didn't know <laughs> or see it. But I had, I had joined this, this, um, they called them like teleclasses back then. There was like six women in it. And it was for people who had like no idea how to start an online business. This was still when online businesses were fairly, fairly new, especially for life coaches. Anyway, I had written down my goals for my three-year, five-year, and 10-year goals. The instructor had asked us to do that. And I had written down my financial goals. I had written down that I wanted to write a book by five years out. And I forget what the other goal was, but I found it recently in 2020 and was like, holy shit, I completely blew my goals out of the water. And when I made those, I thought I was dreaming big. Mm-hmm. I did. I was like, oh my God, write a book within five years. And I wrote one within three years. And I had totally forgotten that I had written that down. All that to say is that I know that there's research that shows it. So I don't need to you know, try to convince anybody, but it matters when you write your goals down. Yes. It matters. It makes a difference. And a lot of times we just do that. Like, hey, what do I need to get done in the next six months? But I, the invitation is for you to write, what do I want your, my life to look like in 2030? And obviously it's not, you know, it's, it's not a psychic premonition or that you have to be married to these goals or anything like that. It's just about dreaming, yeah. which I know you love to do. Yes. <laughs> okay. So exciting. Anything else you want to say before I recap of all the assignments that I gave you? No, I think that that was fantastic. Okay. Okay, good. I have down that you are going to write a letter to each of your feelings yep. and just kind of free form, whatever comes up. You're also going to start to be more aware when you're making assumptions. Do you remember that? Yep. Did you write that yes, one down? Yes, I got that one down. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then what was the other thing I said about inner critic, right? Yeah, for um, okay. the inner critic for the reasons that I shouldn't move forward. 
And then the only other thing I have down, well, you know what I would also like you to do is, is formally do the unwanted and ideal identities assignment okay. in terms of work. So you're, you're going to list on one side of the page. You can you know, draw a line down the middle on one side of the page, list all the ways you would never want to be seen by others at work. Okay. You would be mortified if you walked by a room in a hallway and like overheard people talking about you and they were saying this. Okay. So all of those things. And then on the other side of the page, you would write down your ideal identities, the way you always want to be seen as. And I want to, I want to add one thing, anybody who I I encourage everybody to do this assignment (laughs) is that when you're thinking about your ideal identities, what I have found that women do is that they write down the things that they're already being seen as. Like, mm. I want to be seen as responsible, reliable, you know, a, a good, honest employee. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, that's, right. that's what you are uh-huh. like, on a daily basis. But like, I don't want you to hold back. How in, like, this is ideal. Do you want to be the one who quietly wins all the awards? You know, like, yeah. employee of the uh-huh. month, every month. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> When they're having team meetings, they're like using Katie as an example of how to do it right. Yes. <laughs> like those yeah. types of things. No one has to see this list. Okay. <laughs> but because like that's that's where your perfectionism is. Yes. Truly. Mm-hmm. And it's important to know these so that we spot ourselves when we're in that cycle. This isn't about completely eradicating this from our lives. Like this is still going to happen. But when you realize that you are either in one of your unwanted identities and falling down a shame spiral, or you are trying to enact an ideal identity, and again, futile because we have no control how other people perceive it, how other people perceive us, it's helpful to catch yourself in those moments so that you can practice self-compassion, so that you can talk to a trusted person, whether it's your partner or your best friend or whomever who understands what you're going through. Yeah. It's the whole point of understanding ideal and unwanted identities. Okay. So that's one assignment. And then that, and then just, I would love for you to do the fun assignment of either vision board or just, you know, dreaming about your life 10 years from now. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I gave you a lot. That's okay. That's okay. I tend to do that. Okay. (laughs) How much time do you want to be able to do this before we follow up with you? I definitely can get like the letter and the vision board and all that done within a week. Cause I, I think it's important that I, I kind of kick myself in the butt and get going. Um, Mm -hmm. and then of course the watching the assumptions and stuff like that, I'm going to start with, but I'm sure that'll take some time to like really see the patterns and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe it won't. Maybe I'll surprise myself. (laughs) I'll see it right away. Okay. So we'll follow up in a week and we'll see how it's going. And then I will give everybody an update once I hear back from you. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. We're back. What did you think? Did you see parts of yourself in Katie, I hope that you did. Even if you you might not be going through the same challenges that she's facing right now or be in the same industry as her, but I hope that you saw parts of yourself in her that you could relate, even if it was just in a small way. So I'm going to read to you her update. She did all of her assignments within a few weeks. And at the very end, when I'm done reading her update, I'm going to point out a couple of things that I wanted to highlight to talk to you about. All right. Katie says, wow, 
I didn't realize how much I needed these assignments until I did them. Thank you so much, Andrea. The first thing I did was my vision board, which was very enlightening. When I finished it, I realized the majority of it consisted of goals for family, travel, publishing books, and creative projects. Therapy was still represented, but it was minor. At first, when I noticed this, I panicked. My inner critic, which I did recognize as such, told me things like, you have to put more on your vision board about being a physical therapist. You just did a whole podcast episode opening oh, about opening your own business. There was a part of me that wanted to add more physical therapy stuff because my inner critic told me to, but I realized I was making the assumption that being a physical therapist was the only thing that made my life purposeful and what people considered me good at. I previously thought my inner critic was preventing me from moving forward as a therapist, but now I think she may actually be preventing me from moving forward in my other endeavors. My thought is I'm holding onto an assumption that because I'm not quote unquote qualified in writing or creating, I can't really pursue those goals. After stepping away from the vision board for a while, I came to understand that I may not want to go into business for myself in the physical therapy arena, but I do want my career to allow me the flexibility to be a good therapist and everything else I want to be from traveler to author. That may mean becoming an independent contractor someday, or it may mean just shifting to another area within the field. Before this assignment, I was stuck with the belief and assumption that once I declared a goal, I absolutely had to follow through with it, even if it wasn't serving me. I know now that's not true. Even though it may be difficult for me to let go of what I thought was my goal, I recognize that permission to pursue those things. So that's what I'm doing. As part of my permission slip, I started making aprons, which I'm going to sell on my Etsy shop that I decided I'm going to open this week. I also did the ideal and unwanted identities, which focused on how I want to be perceived at work and wrote a letter to my feelings, which was also extremely helpful. I realized I was being so harsh on my feelings, pushing them away when really they are there to help me. They want me to be a complete person and live a wholehearted life. Once again, I know it will all take time, but I'm actively working on allowing my feelings to just be and not to control them so much. Although I think I'm shifting gears from my initial start a business goal, I started researching how to form a mastermind and I'm seeking out members through some of the physical therapy forums I am already a part of. I know that there are many therapists who have changed career paths within the field or are looking to do so, and I think their support will be instrumental to my success. I'm excited to be able to share my ideas, struggles, and triumphs with a group of people who really understand and can support me in my growth. All right. (laughs) My face hurts. I'm smiling so hard. I want to point out a couple of things. I love that she started with the the fun uh, assignment, which was the vision board. And I want to, again, like I talked about in the intro, emphasize that the work happens in between the sessions. What she found when she did her vision board was that she didn't necessarily have to hold on to what she initially brought to the session, which blows my mind, but at the same time doesn't blow my mind because this isn't unusual that happens in these particular kinds of sessions. This is one of the beautiful things about coaching is that we can be spinning our wheels on a particular topic and then we have a conversation where certain questions are opened up, where we are given assignments to be creative 
because it uses a different part of our brain. It switches us out of this sort of stuck neuropathways that we have probably been in for a long time and allows us to think a little bit more critically, to open our horizons, to just expand our minds and our hearts and our souls for even just a few minutes to be able to hopefully see what's in more alignment with our values, see what's in more alignment with our purpose. All right. And the next thing I want to point out is that she says, I realized I was being so harsh on my feelings, pushing them away when really they are here to help me. And, you know, and then at the end of that, she says, I'm working on allowing my feelings to just be and not trying to control them so much. (laughs) Applause, applause, applause for that. I hope that all of you can take that to heart as well. Your feelings, our feelings, are merely our body's way of processing information. They are our body's way of taking care of us, getting us back to that place of homeostasis. Even though we feel like feeling our feelings takes us way out of homeostasis, right? chapter, I think three or four and how to stop feeling like shit. I talk about that a lot. Yeah, it's chapter three. Okay, I got that right. And the last thing I just want to highlight and underscore that she is seeking out a kind of mastermind, a group of peers, a group of people who can support her in her endeavors, even if she doesn't end up going after that original goal that she was after. This is a group of people who are you know, kind of in the same field, have the same goals and values and just hopefully could turn into an extra support system that you might need. These are also really great to form if you are just in love with personal development. I know sometimes it can be hard to find your people. Maybe your immediate family and and friend circle just doesn't, they're just not into it. Like you have so many other things in common with them and you love them just the same. But when it comes to personal development, it's not their thing. So find a book club that focuses on personal development books. You're going to find your people in there. If you go to a, a workshop and or attend one virtually, reach out to those people. I know that a lot of you are listening who have done some of my online classes and you're in Facebook groups. Like that, That's a perfect opportunity to reach out to some other people and say, hey, do you want to form like a book club and we can read such and such book? And you have those people in your corner who understand this work and can support you and you can support them. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. I really hope that you enjoy these coaching episodes and see some of yourself in them. And even if you don't have anything in common with the person being coached, I hope that you can learn something. Thank you so much for being here. I am so incredibly grateful for your time. And until next time, Ask Kickers, I will see you all out in cyberspace. Bye-bye. 